Praise the Lord, it's chat time. Yes, praise the Lord, it's chat time again. And now this week, we will continue to discuss current events and scriptures. Praise the Lord. So it's time for our segment of the week. Did you ever wonder where that phrase came from? And this week, the phrase is a still small voice. And that means that God is trying to speak to you and get your attention. And you can find that in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12. And it reads, And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So now you know where that phrase came from. The King James Version of the Bible. So this week I was going to talk about the topic of, um, you know how you pray? And you want to know that you, you know, there are scriptures that say pray, believe that you receive when you pray. And, uh, but right, real quick, I want to do a couple of food for thought. I mean, a couple of... uh, current events. Someone sent me these and we'll go real quick. Um, This was on ABC News, groundnews.com, foxnews.com, japantoday.com. And and it talks about where Muslim mobs attacked three churches after accusing a Christian man of desecrating the Quran in eastern Pakistan. 
Over 100 people were arrested and 600 booked in two terror cases following the torching and ransacking of churches in um, this city in Pakistan. The attacks were prompted by claims that two Christian men desecrated the Koran. No casualties have been reported, but at least one church was burned. Four others were damaged. Around two dozen Christian homes were torched or badly damaged, and Christians quickly fled to safer places during the mob rampage. Well, what proof did they have that somebody I don't desecrated? Know. You know, but, it could be anybody saying anything, you know? Yeah, and the thing about it is that they're no better than the people who, des- who they claim desecrated the Koran. And that's the thing about the world, and that's why a lot of times you find that they don't really do things that uh, aggravate the Muslims because they sink to the level of the people who are antagonizing them, you know, and it's like, you mess with my dog, I'm going to kill your cat. That's basically how it is with them. But I don't, I, I, I don't understand how this, this spirit of aggravation, but I was looking at some news report, and then I realized that a lot of these places view Christianity as something that's Western. They connect it to they connect it to the Western uh, civilization. They they connect it to basically white Anglo-Saxon. And so they don't see Christ. They don't see the word. What they see is capitalism. They see basically Western civilization when they see Christianity. They don't see anything that's holy. They see oppression. They see it as like a white man religion or something something, something on that con- line. Something connected to a, a oppression. Mm-hmm. Something that's connected to colonialism. Something that, because they, they took the word of God and they misused it mm-hmm. in, a, in a way to deceive people, to enslave people, to rob people, to subjugate them, to make them feel inferior to reign over them. So when when they hear about Christianity, they don't hear uh, the, the Bible. They don't hear God is love. They, that's not what they hear. They, they don't see a, a brethren sacrificing for their brethren because the people use the word of God deceitfully. They see people who lie and hide behind the word, who hide behind their long robes and basically rob or kill or mislead the people. That's what they see. And I'm thinking, I, I, I understand how, how the hostility came about. But uh, somewhere along the line, there are people who actually begin to see the truth because they don't see that stereotype. They see somebody actually walking in love. They actually see somebody who's exercising the, the word of God. Those are the ones that are being Tormented. Tormented, right. Mm-hmm. These are the ones that are they're burning out because their response is in love. They don't go in self. If they wanted to be in self, they, then they, if their church is burned down, they would run and burn down somebody's mosque. Eye uh, for an eye Right, yeah. but they don't do that, you know. Mm-hmm. So the, the, it reminds me when the person said, so they preach Jesus to add to my affliction, Paul said. You know, it's not like they want the word of God to be spread. They do say just enough truth for people to get irritated with the true followers of Christ, and those are the ones who are being persecuted. Yeah, so moving on, um, Arizona's 
Arizona governor's executive orders ban conversion therapy, but permit transgender health care. What do they so mean by that? So just recently, it's, uh, and this came from the Associated Press, Ground News, NBC News, The Hill. And so the Arizona governor issued two pro-LGBTQ executive orders recently banning state support of so-called conversion therapy and allowing transgender state employees to receive gender-affirming health care under, the insurance, under their insurance plan. The executive orders also expand access to gender-affirming health care by prohibiting state employee health insurance plans from excluding coverage for gender-affirming surgery. So under the executive action, the state agencies will be prohibited from using funds to promote or facilitate so-called conversion therapy, the scientifically discredited practice of using therapy to convert LGBTQ people to heterosexuality or trans traditional gender expectations. So um, that's been in the news. And then here's this was groundnews.com, NBC News, YouTube, CNN, Fox News. And it says that trans men enter the Miss Italy pageant in droves after trans women are told that they can't compete. So Miss Italy pageant organizer announced that trans women would not be allowed to compete in the competition following the crowning of a transgender winner in Miss Netherlands. Oh, yeah. In Miss Netherlands. And I don't see how that person won. I mean, even, even if you are for that, I don't see how he won. He must have been the only one that was running because, my goodness, that man was hurt. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. In response, over 100 trans men, women who identify as men, have entered the Miss Italy pageant in protest using their female birth names. Uh-huh. They just might as well say, nope. I say, if you win, you be crowning yourself. You have to do like Napoleon. You got to grab the crown and put it on your own head. Because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous. And then there's this uh, article that was sent to me. Um, it came from GroundNews.com, Washington Post, Yahoo News, Catholic News Agency, and it says that DC favored Black Lives Matter over anti-abortion groups in defacement rules. A federal appeals court ruled that Washington violated anti-abortion protesters' rights by selectively enforcing a ban on sidewalk messages. You know how people make with the chalk and stuff. Allowing Black Lives Matter protesters to write chalk messages while denying the same right to the anti-abortion group. The court found that the district had discriminated against the anti-abortion group based on their viewpoint by arresting individuals who wrote black pre-born lives matter while allowing black Mm -hmm. lives matter messages without repercussion. Right, and I can't figure out what the Black Lives Matter message would be. Now, I I don't have an aversion to the expression 
Black Lives Matter. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people have to explain themselves so that people don't take offense. They'll say, all lives matter. And I say, of course, all lives matter. It just seems that within all the lives that matter, black lives matter the least. And all they're saying is, we matter too. Black lives matter. But I can't picture what message that they would have to write that would contradict uh, pre-born. You know, like the baby that's still in the womb, their lives matter too. And it does. All right. A Chicago, now, this is funny. A Chicago alderman. I, this is... a. Go ahead and enforce this. A Chicago alderman backs a plea for the Windy City's criminals to only shoot guns between the, the hours of 9 p.m. and 9 a.m. And they should have it at a certain place, too. To minimize risk of innocent people being shot. Right. Well, should, he should require that they go and have gun lessons and that, and that they could be for free so that they hit the target instead of all the innocent bystanders and they learn how to... Uh, assemble a gun, clean a gun, point a gun, learn how to put the right ammo in the gun. <laughs> well, this was on May, Mail Online and MSN.com, and it says that at older person Maria Had, Hayden, H-A-D-D-E-N, mm-hmm. a Democrat, recently boosted a proposal by the North by the group Native Sons that is calling for the People's Ordinance. The ordinance would call for a ceasefire in Chicago between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. They're asking for the refrain from gunshots to reduce the risk of Chicagoans who are not involved in these high-risk activities. Well, I think they should go back to dueling. And I think that they, you know, like these gang members, they should get the leader of the gang and tell them that they're going to have a gunfight, you know, a, a showdown, and make it at high noon and have a street that's designated for nope. a gunfight. Yeah. <laughs> well, just an open space, huh? Right. No, like, no, to actually have wild, a leader. I, I believe that there would not be as many fights if the leaders of these gangs would have to face each other and do a gunfight, you know, and actually have a showdown, a duel. If they have to walk 10 paces and turn around and, sh- and the one that shoots each other, maybe they shoot each other at the same time and that would end everything. And then the next person would just move up and then that person <laughs> would have a duel until one of them win and the other one has to succeed. The last yeah. man standing. You're right. Huh? Yes. <laughs> I believe we would not have as much in the way of gang violence. Especially if the leader has to face the consequences. <laughs> it's easy to send somebody else out there to die. <laughs> All right. So they're asking, they're also asking as part of the ordinance for people to stop associating with and glorifying shooters. When those who live in a certain lifestyle try to hang with regular class citizens, they put everyone at risk. Yes, they do. No formal legislation for the ordinance has been drafted, but Hayden did promote the idea in a newsletter sent to supporters. Well, they shouldn't even have to draft the law. They should just spread the word, you know, because people should have common sense. I've known people, wherever they went, they'd get shot up. So I would say, don't come by me. <laughs> if they knew they, that that person was in a house, they didn't care who was in the house with them. they just shoot the house up. If they knew the person was in a car, they didn't care. they just shoot the car up. And then they would have the nerve to come visit. I said, oh, no. <laughs> no, that's, that's quite all right. Phone call will do. <laughs> a text? Yes. Here's another uh, one. 
uh, Dwayne Wade. Everybody knows who Dwayne Wade is. Now, this is the is foot- basketball player. Oh, okay. Retired basketball yeah, I player. I thought I was an actor. <laughs> no, I got confused with that, too. So this is from MailOnline.com, People.com, NewYorkPost.com, Essence.com. And the former Miami Heat point guard is rumored to have caught the attention of prominent Democrats who are looking for someone to challenge far-right Florida Senator Rick Scott in 2024. So they came to him, and um, asked him if he would be interested in running for Senate. When asked by the New York Times about the reports, which circled in May after an NBC News story reported that both of the former basketball players have been named by the Democratic donor groups. I don't know who the other one is. Uh, Oh, Grant Hill. And uh, Wade said he heard about all the discussions, but um, so then he confirmed that he had been approached about running for political office, but laughed laughed off any questioning about whether he would actually consider launching a campaign. And he said, I mean, it's just a conversation. Hey, you would be good for, hey, we can see you in. Hey, we would love to have you in, he continued. But the primary factor behind the support for this potential Wade candidacy has to do with his advocacy for the LBGTQ plus rights. He and his wife, Gabrielle Union, share two daughters, including a 15-year-old, Zaya, who came out as transgender in 2020 since their daughter's transition, the couple have been outspoken in their support of uh, transgender rights. Yeah, if he, if he runs and he wins, they get what they deserve. Yeah. <laughs> and then here's one that's in the post-Roe era. House Republicans are beginning a quiet push for new restrictions on abortion access. So when the Supreme Court issued its abortion ruling last June overturning Roe v. Wade, House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy said our work is far from done. He didn't say what might come next, but a year later, he's the speaker. McCarthy is the speaker. Republicans are in the majority, and the blanks are beginning to be filled in. A flurry of little-noticed legislative action, GOP lawmakers are pushing abortion policies policy changes, trying to build the work of activists whose strategy successfully elevated their flight to the nation's highest court. To one government funding bill after another, Republicans are incorporating unrelated policy provisions known as riders to restrict women's productive rights. Are they not restricting women's productive rights? The GOP's push, new push, is taking place line by line in the sprawling legislation drafted each year to fund government agencies and programs. You know, they're very good at twisting words. It's not. They're very good at twisting words. It's, it's not restricting a woman's reproductive rights. It's protecting the rights of the unborn baby. Well, anyway, in... Um, 
This is silly. Nearly a dozen anti-abortion measures have been included so far in budget bills. In the agricultural bill, Okay. For example, Republicans are looking to reverse a recent move by the Food and Drug Administration that would allow the contraception pill mifepristone to be dispensed in certified pharmacies as opposed to only in hospitals and clinics. What that has to do with agriculture, I'm not exactly sure. But what is the drug for? Abortion. And so that's not the GOP. That's not the Republicans doing that. If they're trying to get the abortion pill included in the agriculture, they're trying to slide in birth control. They want to reverse it. They want to reverse that. Right, so they need to. People slipping stuff in my food. (laughs) And anti-abortion proposals have been finding their way into the defense bill. Where GOP lawmakers are aiming to ban paid leave and travel for military service members and their family members who are seeking reproductive health care services. Which isn't reproductive. They're trying to uh, commit murder on taxpayers' dime. If you're going to do that, if you want to kill your baby, do it with your own money. Don't do it with mine. (laughs) Well, anyway, so much for... The current events for today. I don't know how much time we have left here. I don't know if we're going to get to our topic, but um, I really do want to start talking about this. I really do. Because it's been on my mind. Um, I think we had an article once that, and we talked about it probably, just, you know, but continually asking for the same thing, asking the Lord for the same thing over and over again. You know, does he get irritated or, you know, and then I was talking to a saint the other day and, uh, you know, we were talking about believe that you receive when you pray. And and then um, an example would be like, um, I don't know, she was giving... Like your earthly parents ever promised to buy you a gift you ever wanted for your birthday or to take you on a trip or to, to buy you something. And if they, uh, if you said yes, you were going to do it as a parent, it, you, you know, the child always believed that it was just as good as yes. You know, it, it's good as yours. It's like they're going to get it any day now. So all you had to either do is wait for your birthday to come or wait until they took you to this place or wait until they bought you this item. But in the meantime, you know, you would keep asking. I thought you were going to get me this. I thought you were going to buy me this. I thought you were, when are we going to go to State Fair? When are we going to go to uh, Disneyland? I thought you said you were going to do it. You promised, you promised, you know, and and sometimes the parents are very patient and they say, oh, yeah, I did say I am going to do it. You know, just be patient. But sometimes parents get irritated and tell you to just be quiet. Didn't I tell you I was going to do I've it? I've never seen the Lord irritated with a person asking and asking and asking. This, Not that, necessarily that, irritated. No, that example, get tired? That, no, that example is just a world example of how people who are in their flesh 
respond. And the only reason why I believe a child will continually ask something like that is because we know that people lie. So when, when, <laughs> so, so when, when it comes to asking God for something, when the, when the person asks the Lord, how long, Lord, how long? They're not asking God in the sense like, how long, Lord, I don't believe you're going to do it. They asking God how long because they just want to know how long because they know that God is going to do it. So if a person is questioning, didn't you say, Lord? It's almost like saying, Lord, you didn't, you didn't tell me the truth. That's almost like saying the Lord lied. It's almost like saying the Lord misrepresented what he was going to do for them. They should read Psalms 22. The Lord is aware. He hears us. He knows that we have asked. He's seen our affliction, and he knows of it, and he's going to answer us, and he's going to. So when a person questions the Lord, if they question in faith, they won't have to worry about God being angry. The children of Israel prayed for hundred years. I know. For their freedom. So you know they had to be asking God the same thing. Oh Lord, uh, we, we need to be free. When are you going to free us? We're looking for the Savior. But anyway, when we were talking about this, I, I these questions came up and these scriptures came to my mind and I was just thinking about um, what about that scripture um, that talks about when, what, whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Mm -hmm. So his, that's in Mark chapter right. 11, verse 24. Right. So what I wanted to know is um, if you don't receive, I don't know how to put this. Some of my notes here say, and what's the difference between asking over and over and over again for the same thing and the scripture that says, when you pray, believe that you receive it. Because I was thinking, if you really believed that you were going to receive it, you would have it. No, That's you would have it, but said. you're going to have it. What people's problem is, first of all, they have to know that they're praying within God's will. They have to know that it's the Lord's will. So if they're asking, and if it's the Lord's will, the next thing is that when they receive it, it's up to the Lord. So just because a person asks God for something and the Lord said, yes, I'm going to give it, they're looking at their watch and saying, well, I don't, I haven't said, you haven't done it yet, Lord. You know, they're looking at the clock and saying, well, when? When you, when you going to do it? Well, say, so, for example, healing. You know, we were, we were actually talking about the issue of healing, mm -hmm. being healed of certain afflictions. But um, in Mark 11, starting at verse 23, it talks about, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And then it goes on yes, to say, shall. therefore I say unto you what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Right. But what they miss is, when they're reading this, is the will of the Lord as far as the timing. Because God tells saints over and over again, you have need of patience. 
You have need of patience. You should read James. You have need. Right. We'll have to continue this next week. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now, this week's verse of the day comes from 2 Samuel 22 and 3. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou saveth me from violence. Now, ain't God all right? God, God is, is all right. right. Praise the Lord. Last week, food for thought was when Esau was hungry, what did he say about his birthright? And the answer is that he said, what profit shall this birthright do me? And the answer can be found in Genesis chapter 25, verse 32, and it reads, And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do me? He despised this week's food for thought is what insect did Solomon say to consider of and to be wise? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought. <laughs>